Welcome to the Perspectives on Healthcare podcast, where members of the medical community from different roles, venues, and locations share their unique perspectives on quality healthcare, its future, and how to improve it. Now, from the Your Keynote Speaker Studio in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, here is your host, Rob Oliver. Thank you, and I appreciate you being with me for another episode of the Perspectives on Healthcare podcast. Today's perspective comes from Joanne Williams. She is a licensed clinical social worker down in the Tampa, Florida area. She has expertise in anxiety, PTSD, and so on. She is a member of the baby boomer generation. Uh, Joanne, welcome to the show. Well, thank you, Rob, for having me. Glad to be here. Absolutely. So tell me a little bit about yourself and your role in healthcare, please. Sure. I have been, like you said, and, and what a clinical social worker is, is a therapist, <laughs> truly trained clinically um, to do therapy, but it also allows us to almost be in any kind of setting. And I, in my 30 years as a, a licensed mental health professional, I've worked in almost every setting there is, whether it's from schools to nursing homes, hospice, hospitals, always having a private practice. Um, and so I do have a lot of different experiences uh, working in, in, in a lot of different medical kind of ex, you know, providers, even in providers' offices. So there's a lot of different ways I've seen the medical uh, care that we have in the United States. And so I do, I'm really kind of excited to talk about it because I think there is a lot we can share to all look at it maybe a little differently to make it better. I think that that's really what this show is all about. It's bringing in the, the more different viewpoints we have, the more we share, the more collectively we can learn from each other. So definitely okay. glad to have you. What does quality healthcare mean to you? Quality healthcare means to me that it is the patient or the person that's in charge of the care, and it's a wellness model as opposed to a sickness model. From my own personal experience, I've always found that I tend to go to what would be considered from the medical model an alternative way to look at healthcare because I, I feel like we have to look at our whole person, our whole experience of body, mind, and soul, and not just body. And so, I mean, even currently, I am um, using a nutritional counselor that looks at hair analysis to see the toxins that you have that are building up in your body that are, you know, kind of excreted through your hair, but shows where then our body compensates. So it shows where things like calcium, for instance, maybe not be being able to be taken up in your body because of these toxins. So it's a very different way to look at health. And then she does tell you about minerals and vitamins that will then help your body to find that harmony again once these toxins are cleaned out. So it's a very different way to look at things. I think the other way that I would look at what I would call total healthcare would be was also in including emotions that create sickness, 
in your body. I think there's a lot of medical understanding about cancers and anger and heart disease. There's a lot of different ways that I do not see that the whole body or emotions um, or even our thoughts can be part of uh, creating a healthier environment in our body or actually creating to sickness. So what is, in your thoughts, the effect of stress on the body? When Because stress is one of those things that uh, as you're looking at all of the all of the issues that can be caused from that um what are your thoughts there well i as a counselor now if i speak to that i see that and actually i could i could i worked with a medical provider a doctor and one of the things he told me that 85% of everybody that walks in his, um, he was a general practitioner, walked in his office, 85% were stress-related. So he really saw that almost everything was stress-related. And as I deal with people in counseling, most of the time, that is really what we're dealing with, whether it's anxiety, the unknown, uncertainties that are just creating stresses in our body. You know, you called me a baby boomer, and I, I think it's interesting. That I, I'm glad you, all, you brought that up because I actually remember when we did not use the word stress in our vocabulary. Mm. And I could say that to some, and they're like, what? But we really didn't even have that word that we use regularly. And now it's just a common everyday word. So I do see stress can be very detrimental to our mental health as well as our physical health. It's so interesting. I, I mean, nowadays, everything gets thrown around as stress, and, <laughs> you know, um, mm-hmm. and, and yet you're so correct that it wasn't too awful long ago that it, was, it just wasn't talked about. It, it, so interesting. Mm-hmm. Uh, can you give me an example of quality healthcare? Well, I, for example, what I was using, you know, with this nutritional counsel that I'm using, when, when I, well, it's done by video chat now. <laughs> and so I was thinking, as I was going to say, walk into an office, but that's not even done anymore. And I, I do like that, that there can be, you know, done by video chat. I think that can be quality because there's multiple different ways that it can be, you know, given to people that are in rural areas or other ways than just walking in an office. When she works with me, she actually used kinesthesiology, which is more of an intuitive sense, asking me specific questions, but a total look at what's going on in my life. And maybe it is stress that we talked about. Maybe it is anxiety. Maybe it is something that's really concerning me, you know, that I have pains or something like that. But she goes in and intuitively looks so it's a totally different way besides maybe just your heart rate or blood pressure that somebody's looking at. And she's identified some things that I found were right on. Um, but it seems like she goes and uses an inward wisdom that really tells her what's going on on a whole nother energetic level. So I would call that part of this whole body look at somebody that would be part of a full picture for quality healthcare that includes body, mind, and spirit. Okay. So let me just, what you're saying is that it includes the circumstances that are going on in your home and in your work and so on. Mm -hmm. And it would also include 
the emotions that you're feeling um, and the, the way that you're reacting to those. Is that accurately mm -hmm. summing up what you said? Yes, absolutely. It affects us and it can affect us physically as well as emotionally or spiritually. Got it. Uh, what do you wish people understood about your role in healthcare? I wish that people understood that their inner world, emotionally, mentally, is really represented by their outer world. It really does show up that way, same in health. Kind of like if you looked around in your um, closets or on your desk, it can be representative of the way your mind is organized or the way your emotions are dealt with. There's representation that I think is important for people to see that there really is that connection. And that for me, therapy as my role in healthcare is really about helping somebody understand that representation and really building some life skills so that they can see that clarity and how it affects their insides and outsides in their world so that they can really have a better understanding of their purpose and how emotions are really a piece of a message or a piece of information for them to use to make better decisions in life and that really to learn to respect their the feelings that are really their knowingness they're in their heart and their gut that intuition because it's telling them something and i think they can find more meaning in their life for their even their purpose or gifts if they really look to their heart instead of their mind okay it's interesting to hear you say that because a lot of times the message that we're given is like get rid of the emotional side of things. Like you have to, <laughs> you just have to push through and get it done. What's your reaction to that? I giggle is what my reaction to that is because that's like saying half of our brain is logical, analytical. The other half is emotional. And so it would be like saying, let's get rid of half of our brain <laughs> and not use that as a piece of information for the for decision making. I really believe that it the way that it works, you first have thoughts from one side, it goes into the emotions on the other side, then you can go down and really make a decision that makes sense. But if you're not if you're not using half of your, <laughs> your brain, you're missing out on a lot of good stuff that, and that are giving you messages. Okay, well, um, I've been accused of only having half a brain to begin with. And but that's a story for a different day. Uh, let me let me ask you this question. Okay. Uh, as a social worker, um, for me, my experience with social workers is they're the people that help get everything in order for discharge when I'm at the hospital. Okay. Mm -hmm. But I feel like there's more to what social workers do than that. Can you can you expand on that? Mm -hmm. Oh, I love that question. Nobody ever asked that. And it's so much miss. I thought you were going to say what I see on TV. The social workers are the ones that come into the house and drag the kids out. And you feel sorry for the kids. Instead of looking at the whole situation, that there's abuse going on. They blame the social worker for the bad situations. Social work is a really broad field. And it was really one of the very first helping fields 
established, oh, I, I'm not going to remember my history, but way back in the projects in probably the 1800s when, when immigrants started coming and seeing, uh-oh, they really need some resources. So you're right. We're, there can be different kinds. Community, in the community, you can see activists, their community organizers in hospitals, they find resources so somebody can go home. Um, or in like a nursing home, I would do mental status tests to see, to see if people could go home or if they did have dementia and were unable. Clinically, I would be a clinical social worker, so I do therapy. So there is many medical social work there is many different types and we get different types of education according to the role we're going to play. So clinically, I had to get a clinical experience, understanding behavioral sciences, psychology, all those different kinds to be able to get licensed. And then you work under somebody for two years before you can go out on your own. So it's really a broad field. Okay. Thank you for Thank you for sharing that and kind of hopefully hopefully broadening our our perspectives. <laughs> what excites you about the future of healthcare? I worked at a um, medical group. It was called Trillion HMO in Southern California in Palm Springs, um, and they were building an entire system of healthcare on a campus. And they had providers there. And I was developing the social services department. And from me as the only person, and then we got up to about 19 people in this in the department. But we were working interdisciplinarily with nurses, RNs, doctors. We actually went into homes to get people's resources. So understanding why they weren't getting to their doctor's appointment. They couldn't didn't have transportation. Mm. or they were too sick. So we had to figure out and problem solve every reason why they weren't getting into their doctor and get them there. The same with mental health resources. People would come out of a stay three, seven days in a mental uh, institution. They had no counseling set up afterwards. They had no doctor's appointment. They got meds. They had no doctor's appointments to get those refills. So that is part of what we did. And they actually established their own clinic with doctors and clinical social workers or therapists on campus. So the medical doctors would see some depression symptoms or they would see anxiety. Again, that 85% of the people that came in their office, they would refer them immediately to the clinic. And so there was a reciprocity right there. Or if they saw some medical things because they were seeing the client, they would send them back to their uh, primary care physician. So it was very, um, it was an interlocking system that really took very good care of their patients. And I would love to see that as a model for healthcare in many more places, because then the patients are taken care of. Not only their social, because they could get resources and go places, but their medical, their emotional was also taken care of with a clinic right there on that campus. Yeah. And just from my perspective, when you're creating that interdisciplinary team, it is so important as well that the patient be viewed as a part of that team and not um, yeah. and not just seen as a <laughs> as a peripheral in that. Does that make sense to you? Absolutely. What's their needs? Because if we don't ask them, how do we know? Why aren't they getting to the doctor? 
And there's a hundred different reasons. And that's what we had to ask to get them involved in their own healthcare or even taking meds or whatever, or not eating. I mean, there's just so many different components to it, and they really did a good job to figure all that out. Excellent. What is one thing medical professionals can start doing today to improve the quality of healthcare? Oh, this one's a big one for me. I would love to see any doctor that prescribes any kind of psychotropic med, if, I don't even care, even if it's pain med for longer than two weeks, I, or especially if there's antidepressants, and I hope they're not prescribing benzodiazepines anymore that are so addictive that cause a new problem. Th those are like the Ativans, the Lorazepams, that they just, Valiums might be a better one that people will remember, that are so addictive that create a different problem. But I wish any doctor that prescribed any of those medications also at the same time prescribed, you must go see a therapist. The research is clear. Medication with therapy works better than either one alone. So why wouldn't they be doing that and encouraging their patient to have the best care? But I don't see it. Got it. It's the, each, each in itself has a certain effectiveness, but mm -hmm. what you're saying is that when you combine the two of them, the sum of the whole is greater than the parts. Is that, is that what you're saying? Absolutely. Yes. Wonderful. It, Joanne Williams, thank you so much for joining me today. I appreciate you being open and sharing, and I appreciate your perspective on healthcare. Thanks for listening to Perspectives on Healthcare. Visit perspectivesonhealthcare.com to learn more about Rob Oliver or to subscribe so you never miss an episode. If this podcast was valuable, we'd appreciate a review on iTunes. Or if you tell a friend or coworker about the show, that would be helpful too. Join us again next time for more Perspectives on Healthcare.